All right, so I have the wonderful privilege this morning of opening God's Word with us. Uh, looking at Matthew chapter 3, and one of the things you might have noticed is that I've titled this sermon, The Baptism of Jesus. Wait, what? Because this is a strange thing, right? When we think about baptism and all that it means, uh, the cleansing, the washing away of sin, the many ways in which baptism speaks of us being brought into God's family. You look at Jesus and he needed none of those things. Uh, he didn't need to be cleansed from sin. Uh, he didn't need to be brought into the family of God. He was already in the family of God. And so what does this passage mean for us this morning? And there's a lot of us, a lot of us who need to hear and see again that Jesus is believable. Jesus is beautiful. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. And as I always like to remind my people uh, at New City Fellowship in St. Louis, um, this is God's word. It is, it is so good. It is good. Uh, it stands over you. It stands over me. So let us give our attention to it. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume, presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, his threshing floor, and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, and John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom 
I'm well pleased. All people, all of us, are like grass, and all our glories like the flowers of the field. Uh, the grass withers, the flowers fade, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. Let me ask God's blessing upon our time this morning. Uh, so would you join me in prayer? Um, Jesus, we do thank you for this time that you set apart, that you remind us again of why we ought to worship in the many ways, God, that you yourself are the reasons why we ought to worship, but also, Lord, what you have done uh, in this world, in our lives, in this church, in this community. Uh, again, there are many reasons that we ought to worship you. Lord, we thank you for your word that encourages us, that gives us life, that gives us hope, that gives us peace, that speaks the gospel to us. That Jesus is beautiful and he is believable. And so, Lord, we, your people, ask for the preaching of your word that you would bless it. Uh, we ask, God, that you would speak. We do not want to hear from a man. We want to hear from you. And so, King Jesus, would you reign now? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are, as Brian mentioned, I always like to mention, before you get to know me, I am from New Orleans. That's kind of the most important thing about me that you need to know. I'm from New Orleans. I'm going to tell you about that at some point. Uh, and part of the reason is because I really love the city that I grew up in. Uh, I really love the culture, the unique ways uh, that it speaks to culture and food and music. And in many ways, it says a lot to the world about what our beautiful God has done in his wisdom. He's made us a diverse people. He's made us a people who are from all around the world and all different cultures uh, and all different places and all different shapes and sizes. Uh, but I want to begin this morning with quotes from uh, three people uh, who are from New Orleans or who grew up in New Orleans. The first uh, quote is to begin with the end in mind. You got that? Begin with the end in mind. I won't tell you who said that until after I get through all three of these because I know you're going to be upset um, about who that person is who says, begin with the end in mind. Uh, the second quote is from a researcher, a shame researcher, uh, Brene Brown. She has taken so much of time to uh, study the reasons why we feel shame, uh, the reasons why it is the case that we feel we are unworthy of love, uh, unworthy of blessing, unworthy of care. And she does this beautiful thing of speaking to us and telling us and nailing us exactly, right? This is one of the books, uh, one of the books besides the Bible that really, because it's so true, uh, has made me angry when I read it. Because she gets us, right? She gets to a chapter on parenting, and I don't want to mess this up. But she says that we should be the adults we want our children to be. We should be the adults that we want our children to be. Again, that idea of beginning with the end in mind. 
She goes on to talk about this. And she says that oftentimes we start from a place of unworthiness. Uh, and the importance to know about worthiness is that it has no qualifiers. Meaning uh, that you are worthy uh, based on the fact that God made you in this image. That, that even before you do anything or even before you accomplish everything or even before uh, this, this thing that you've acquired, because God has made you in this image, uh, he has made you worthy of honor, worthy of dignity, and that's all of us, apart from all those things that we say and do in the choir. She continues, most of our qualifications for worthiness fall into the categories of accomplishment, acquisition, and external appearance. She says this is often expressed in this way, that I'll be worthy if or when, and then follow something that all of us have uh, that brings shame to us when we don't have those things or when those things won't happen. Here's some examples, and she nails this, and it upsets me, right? I'll be worthy if or when I lose weight. Do you say that to yourself? I'll be worthy when or if I get accepted into this school, or if my wife's not cheating, or if I uh, get promoted or not, or if we don't get a divorce, or if or when I get pregnant, I'll feel worthy. Or when he asks me out, I'll feel worthy. When we buy a house in this neighborhood, I'll feel worthy. If no one finds out, I will feel worthy. Uh, that's the world that we live in. And her words are that we should be the adults that our children, um, that we want our children to be. Again, the idea of the end in mind, beginning right now. Uh, the last thing is that quote that I've been saying, beginning with the end in mind. Uh, and the reason why I said I'm just going to hold off on this is because uh, this quote is from Aeneas Williams, and he is a Hall of Famer, uh, NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, he went to the school that Jackson State hates. Uh, they come into town, or you go to Baton Rouge, uh, and it's Southern University. <laughs> Southern University in Jackson State do not do well. They're rivals, bitter rivals. And so if I told you beforehand, somebody from Southern said this, Jackson State people, would you, would that have been something that immediately made you say, yeah, I can't trust that guy, right? And it is, and it is something, right? There it is. His words begin with the end in mind. And you might be wondering what in the world does this have to do with our sermon this morning? And part of the things I want you to see is that the life of Jesus, there's this life that he knows that he begins from the very point uh, of rec recognizing that he is here uh, for this purpose, that there is coming uh, his life, there is coming his death, there is coming his resurrection, there is coming his ascension. The end in mind Jesus begins with, and 
He begins his earthly ministry with the baptism. The, the baptism of Jesus. What? Like why in the world is Jesus being baptized? As I mentioned, he does not need to be baptized. But hopefully we'll answer that in these two ways this morning. Uh, that the baptism of Jesus is actually for your and my repentance. Uh, the baptism of Jesus is for our repentance. And then secondly, uh, the baptism of Jesus is for our righteousness. The baptism of Jesus is for our righteousness. So for our repentance and for our righteousness. For our repentance. As uh, Pastor Brian stole my sermon this morning, <laughs> it had been 400 years that God's people had heard the message from God through a prophet. That the end of the Bible in the Old Testament ends with Malachi. And I know there's a seminary, seminary student going, no, it doesn't. It doesn't begin. With, it doesn't end. Right. I know that. I know that it doesn't end with Malachi in the Hebrew Bible. So just so you know that I know. <laughs> um, but Malachi, the last word that God speaks to his people is, behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before that great day. And when you read the Gospels, when you read Matthew and you go to and get to Matthew 11, what Jesus says is that John is actually that Elijah that God spoke of. John the Baptist is that Elijah that God had spoke for. And 400 years, finally, finally a prophet shows up. We've been waiting for this. And you read these strange things and he comes as a prophet, right? He comes with camel's hair. Uh, he comes uh, with eating wild locusts and honey. And that is not a fashion statement, y'all, right? Camel's hair is not a fashion statement. It is a strange thing. It is just like the strange things that God had called his prophets to do, to exercise, to show his people, hey, this is what you are like. Hey, this is really what it means uh, to be one who is in covenant with me. And here comes John the Baptist, this strange prophet. Finally, we've heard, we're about to hear from God. It's about to be exciting. Uh, I know he has something to say to us that's going to be these words of encouragement from the very beginning. And what are his favorite or first words? Repent. <laughs> Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's this message of acknowledging uh, sin, right? It's this message of being able to say, yes, I've offended God. Yes, I've fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, I have gone after my own gods. And John says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you see God's people do this beautiful thing of going and responding to that call and being baptized. And the text says, confessing their sins, right? This message 
of repentance. Uh, the next part of this passage, and I hope that you caught this, are these words to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And I just want to say to you that you often and I often think of them as bad people. But if you lived in a time of Pharisees and Sadducees, you would want them to be your elders. You would want them to lead your church because they seemed like they had it all together. They must have it all together, right? And John sees them and says, you brood of vipers, I know you. I know what you're like. I know that you move the standards of God's law beyond uh, the standards that God has called his people to. That that is your righteousness. You brood of vipers, and here it is again, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And then uh, these words, and the last words that we read in the first part uh, of this section that John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But I want to stop for a minute and think about repentance and for us. Uh, that most of us, we think of repentance as this one-time thing. We've done that when it actually is this continual thing, right? It's this thing that we will be doing our entire lives as Christians. Sure, God takes things from us when we believe, but oftentimes the rest of our lives, we will struggle with sin. We will have to wrestle with sin. We will have to repent of sin. And that's even being the baptized, loved, chosen people of God. Uh, do you remember your baptism? I know a lot of you may have... Um, had covenant baptisms, but if you didn't, do you remember your baptism? And I want to say to you, I remember my baptism. Uh, it's just, it was this wonderful experience. You know, I wore all white uh, to symbolize becoming clean and washed and cleansed by God and brought into God's family. And it felt wonderful. Finally, finally, I've dealt with this sin thing. I don't have to think about this anymore. And it was no more than two hours that I'm playing uh, a card game with my sister and friends. Uh, it is the uh, national, nationally recognized card game of black people all across America. What, what game is that, by the way? Somebody. Spades. See? Come on. We're playing spades. And I make this horrible move, and it is an unforgiving game. I just want you to know that. I make this horrible move, and I start to curse, and I start to use vulgar language, and I start uh, to do all these things in my anger. And my sister says to me, hey, like you haven't been baptized for no more than two hours, and you're already talking like this. Right? That's convicting. Uh, maybe the baptism didn't work. Let me go and reschedule that for next week. 
right? That, that was what I was thinking. Like, maybe it didn't work. And it's not true. That God is calling me to repentance. That God is calling me to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And now you might be asking, what is exactly repentance? And a group of children are asked, what is repentance? And uh, a lot of them say repentance is feeling sorry for your sins. Feeling sorry for your sins. But there's this one girl who says uh, to this group of students, it's feeling sorry for your sins uh, enough to quit. That when we think about uh, our sins, and it's not to dismiss what I just said, so don't miss me in saying that repentance is just one thing and it is done. But it's a posture of saying this is not good. I know this is not good. The Holy Spirit testifies to me this is not good. And I choose this very thing that I need to quit. Why? Because God loves me. And I know he wants best for me. And I know he is good to me. And I know he will be faithful to me. So isn't he worth what I do with my body? Isn't he worth what I think? Isn't he worth uh, my actions? Yes, he is. Uh, Jesus, uh, the beautiful and believable. That Jesus does this thing of being baptized. And the connection there is actually that John points to that baptism. I hope you pick that up. That he talks about one who is coming after him, uh, whose uh, sandals he is not worthy to carry. And he talks about him baptizing with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it talks about him being the one who's the ultimate judge and will set things right. And he is the one that ultimately that we recognized as the reasons for our repentance. That very baptism that is coming, uh, that greater baptism that is coming in Jesus Christ. Jesus is baptized for our repentance. Secondly, Jesus is baptized for our righteousness. Where do we see that in this passage? That the last third, or verses, few verses beginning at verse 13 tells us about Jesus coming from Galilee and Jesus going to be baptized by John. And John says to him, hey, I, hey, I need to be baptized by you. And you, you come to me, right? I saw Philip Holmes come in and Philip and I used to play basketball together. Philip, um, I thought I could beat him basketball. I don't know if you remember this, Philip. Philip is a college athlete, by the way. Um, and I made this move. I thought I beat Philip on this move. And then he just comes out of nowhere and kills my shot. And I'm like, that's not fair, Philip. You're a college athlete, right? Philip will not ask me for basketball tips. Why? Because he is better than me. That this is what John is saying. That, that Jesus, what? 
I, I need to be baptized by you and you want me to, to baptize you. And, and Jesus' words, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consents. It is for us to fulfill all righteousness. What in the world does Jesus mean there? And there's this beautiful thing that begins to happen, that God begins to show us that Jesus is beautiful, that Jesus is believable in the fact of what Jesus does, in the fact that Jesus is baptized, uh, in the fact that Jesus says of his people, I am going to be just like you. And if you don't believe me, here it is. That because you need to repent, I'm going to be one who repents. And not because I am in sin, but because of you needing repentance. Uh, that you, who is one who is in sin, even though I have no sin, I am going to go and be baptized because of you. To fulfill all righteousness. That this idea of union with Christ really goes beyond what we do physically. That it is a spiritual and it's the eternal thing that will extend not only in our lives but forever. That Jesus does this thing of saying, because you have to be these people of repentance, I am going to undergo repentance, so to speak. That that's how close Jesus feels to you and to me. Now think about these things. It's always weird coming to church uh, because a lot of times uh, you hope to have it together, right? But you don't have it together. You are beautiful. You are dressed nicely. You are all these things gifted. Uh, you're wealthy. You're these people whom God is using, but you know truly what you are like. Uh, that right now, some of you resent your roommate or you resent your spouse or you resent your loved one, your friend. Or you've come this morning feeling guilty about what you looked on the internet last week or this week or even maybe last night or even maybe today. That you have come in this morning and you have yelled at your kids because they are not doing the things that you want them to do and your child is three years old. What is the kid supposed to do? Uh, that many of us coming with all types of sins and all types of things that make us feel like I shouldn't go to church. Why would I do that? I am unworthy of that. I am unworthy of being in the presence of God's people and in the presence of a holy God. And Jesus in his baptism says, yes, you are. That you can be a people of repentance but also you can be a people of, of righteousness. 
And it's not on the basis of what you've done and what you have done or what you have left undone, but it's on the basis of what Jesus has done. Jesus says, because you need to repent, I'm going before you. But also, you have a beautiful righteousness in me. Let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. And then there's this beautiful uh, acknowledgement and wonder that happens uh, in the last few verses of uh, this chapter. Jesus is baptized, and as he comes out of the water, uh, you see this beautiful thing of Father, Son, Holy Spirit uh, at work and in one place and declaring something. Right, you see God, the Father, speaking down from heaven to Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And God says, this is my beloved Son uh, with whom I am well pleased. I, I love my Son. I love him. Uh, I am so pleased with him. Uh, he is a child um, who I am so proud of. I am so grateful for that this has happened and been the case for all eternity. That behold, I am well pleased. But here is the good news. That remember, I told you about Jesus doing this thing of repenting with us. But Jesus doing this thing of righteousness for us. What do I mean by that? That these very same words that God the Father declares over Christ, over Jesus the Son, actually falls upon you and upon you and upon you and upon you and you. It falls upon us, all who are in Christ, that God says... As a result of the baptism of Jesus, this is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. I'm so proud of her. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I delight in him. I am pleased with my children in the ways that even in the messiness of their lives and their stories, they keep coming back to me. They keep latching on to the fact uh, that uh, they are righteous because of what Jesus has done and not because of what they've done. And that is a beautiful gospel. Uh, that is a beautiful savior. Don't you want Jesus? Don't you want uh, him in all of his glory in all of the ways he declares over you that you are righteous, that you never have to doubt God's love, that you never have to come to church and be like, God is mad at me, I can't come to church. Or God is happy with me because I did this thing and I can come to church. But that God's righteousness is on you forever. That you will never stop being his daughter. That you will never stop being his son. That there's no escaping it. There's no way around it. To those who are in Christ, that is the promise and the encouragement to you. Isn't Jesus beautiful and believable? A Jesus, in his baptism, begins with the end in mind. 
And what I mean by that is that the very next chapter in Matthew's gospel, he's actually going to be going to be led out into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. What a wonderful way to begin your ministry, right? That Jesus is going to be tempted. Uh, that Jesus, who was the best pastor, by the way, is going to be rejected. And I say he's the best pastor because I think sometimes maybe there's a perfect church that will work out just fine. Or maybe I'm just going to get my act together and it's going to be great. And Jesus shows, hey, even if you're the best pastor, uh, people are going to reject you. People are going to deny you. People are going to hurt you and they're going to break your heart. And they're going to do all these things that make you weep over them. And you will see life and you will see death and you will see all the things that is wrong with this world. But Jesus says, I'm working in that. I'm going to do something about that. That my life, my death, my resurrection will fall upon you. But start first with my baptism. And I'm going to show you that I have begun with the end in mind. People of God, hear the good news. Hear and see that Jesus is beautiful, that he is believable, that he is the one that continues to be faithful even when uh, we are people who struggle, we are people who doubt. Jesus says, I'm right here. The Father says, I am pleased with you. Return to me. Uh, the Holy Spirit declares and speaks to us in our hearts Hey, you, you know that is sin. What are you doing? Uh, that you know what is right from wrong because I'm in you. God is in you. So you can walk and you can be these people who live in that righteousness of Christ. Jesus is baptized for our repentance and Jesus is baptized for our righteousness. Let me pray as we close. Um, God, this is so hard to believe that you are well pleased with us. Uh, it is so hard to believe that that won't change regardless of our sin struggles, uh, regardless of the ways we doubt uh, regardless of how many times we forget the good news of the gospel. Thank you for bringing us back to our senses. Thank you for dragging us to church this morning. Thank you, God, for speaking to us. We needed to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, that your people have heard uh, through the foolishness, what some call the foolishness of preaching. But we do thank you, Lord, for this time. We ask, ask your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.